And we're just grateful to have a new place, a little bit more room for the kids. If you were with us at the Village Square Theater, uh, we are grateful for the Village Square Theater. They were good to us, and we were happy to be able to meet there. But we are grateful to the Harvest. The Harvest, this is their property. They have a daycare and an after-school program that meets. And they're allowing us to meet here on Sundays, and they are all about the kingdom of God. All right, And then we were all about the kingdom of God. It's not a competition. I pray they get filled up. I pray Radius gets filled up. First Baptist gets filled up. I pray every church in this town gets filled up because there's 135,000 people in Lexington County that don't have a church home, and we need every church to do its part. And so they were nice enough to let us meet here, and so we are grateful for that. But we're going to um, go into the message today, so uh, I just invite you to pray with me. Father God, I thank you for the privilege of speaking your word. I thank you for the opportunity. God, I know I'm not worthy. Jesus, I know what you did is greater than I could ever put into words. But I stand here humbly and I ask you to speak through me, God. Visit us today. Work in us. Work through us. And just have your way, God, because we need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our, village, our vision here at Lakeside is that our city would fall in love with Jesus, that everyone would find a church family, that people would live in freedom and then be active in their purpose, because I think that's what it is. There's nothing better than serving God. I work a full-time job. We just had our fifth child. All right, that's crazy. Like when I say fifth, this is my wife's first time back at church since we had the baby, and I think she did a good job singing up there. I was happy. Yeah. And the baby, praise God, is sleeping. God's having mercy on us because having a baby when you're near 40 is different than when you're in your 20s. All right, it's a whole different ballgame now, guys. But we are here to talk about the most important thing. In Luke chapter 24, if you didn't get one of the inserts, there's some inserts going around and you can raise your hand and David or Dan can get one to you. But there's a scripture on the top, it's in purple. It's Luke chapter 24, verses 1 through 3. And it says, on the first day of the week, one of the most important scriptures in the Bible, it says, on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb and taking the spices they had prepared for his burial. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in there, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. That's the moment that changed everything. Lots of people died on crosses. That was just their thing. The Romans, they were really good at killing people. They were experts. You messed with Rome, they got you. They killed you. But there was one that God did not leave in the tomb, and that was Jesus Christ. And he walked out of the tomb, and I realized that I felt that this morning it was easier for him to get out of that tomb than for me to get out of bed because I was dragging this morning. Amen? I don't know if you were, but I was. I was dragging this morning, and that's the God we're talking about. Incidentally, it's also April 1st. It's April 1st, which is April Fool's Day. If you don't like April Fool's Day, then just ignore me for about the next three or four minutes. But it's actually my second favorite holiday. All right, so much so that if you wish me happy birthday today because you saw it on Facebook, April Fool's. It's been that way for about 10 years because I'm not telling Facebook my information. I just put April Fool's as a joke. My birthday's in a couple days. All right, but, but I just love April Fool's. April Fool's is a great day. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians, it says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. But I like a little foolishness. I mean, many April Fool's Day, um, it wouldn't be uncommon un- for me to be hanging giant things of underwear in somebody's yard. All right, it's a great prank. Go out on their clothesline, get the biggest ones you can find at Walmart, 
and they got really good ones and just hang it up out there. I, I like that stuff. And then the next day, usually my lawnmower's on blocks in the front yard. Somebody comes and do that. I like jokes. I think jokes are awesome. I love to play jokes. Um, I play them on people I work with. I play them on churches that I worked with. I play them with young people. In fact, I'm going to tell you something, and you can't judge me. If you're looking for a church with a perfect pastor, you really missed it, all right? You really missed it. But I had young people. I was a youth pastor for many years. And when you're a youth pastor, uh, you try to hang out with kids. And before I had a lot of kids, I had a lot of kids. I had the youth group, and they'd be at my house. And this is one of the worst things I've ever done in my life. I feel horrible about this, but this is the truth. We found this thing where you could make, it was kind of a couple years ago before everybody could do this, but where you could make phone numbers appear on the phone you were calling. Because once that happened, it was really hard to do phone, prank phone calls. And so we had, we had, we're calling people up, the youth groups in my living room, we're trying to have fellowship, trying to lead these people to Christ and these young people, and then also show them how to have fun. And we called up people, and we had the number 777 appear on the phone. We just thought that was hilarious. All right, we, You know how people are. And so when we did that, don't judge me. Some of you are already starting to judge me. When we did that, we had this girl in our youth group who was one of our worship leaders. She could do a spot-on Benny Hinn impression. Like, it was spot-on. So we called up this number of a kid that we knew with a spot-on Benny Hinn impression, and we're just dying. There's 15 of us kids in my living room, and we're, we're like, yeah, do it. Just tell them you're Benny Hinn. That'd be hilarious. They'll see 777, and they'll see you tell them Benny Hinn, and that'd be great. And that's all we gave her. So we call the number, and, and in the background, all the kids, we start singing, hallelujah. And it's beautiful back there. And the 777 appears, and this kid that we know, he picks up the phone, and we think he's going to think we're full of it. You know, I mean, who, who would really believe Benny Hinn would call him? And he, she goes, hello. And I can't even do the voice, so I'm not going to try. Says, hello. And he's like, hello? It's Benny Hinn. And you could tell he believed it. And we're dying. We're singing hallelujah. We're dying. But we gave her no more information. At that point, and this is where it turned really wrong, and where I need forgiveness, and where some of you may never come back after hearing this. At that point, because all we had said is, just say you're Benny Hinn, 777, it'll be great. She said, guess what? He said, what? You need to repent for your sins. The room got quiet. The teenager stopped singing. And he began to repent of the most vile things I've ever heard over the speakerphone. Hang up, hang up. We hung up. We felt horrible. He laid some things out there. The kids, everybody's sad. We're like, we're never prank calling again. Now I have. I've backslidden. But we're, we're never doing this again. And oh my God, he confessed his sins like vile sins. Sins that you wouldn't want to tell anybody right over the phone, on speakerphone. But we hung it up as fast as we could. And then me and the other youth leader, we walk outside and we're like, I'm going to get fired. They're going to fire me. The parents are going to hear about this and stupid youth pastor stuff. And we go out there. And so how do you make it right? So we call the kid up. You know, this was a, it was a 20-year-old guy. We called him up and we say, hey, man, we're sorry. That, that, that wasn't Benny Hinn. You know what I'm saying? Like, that, we had to explain that. That really wasn't Benny Hinn. He didn't call you and ask you to repent. And he said, no, man, you don't understand. I needed that. We're like, what? He's like, no, I've been carrying that around for so much, for so long. And I want you to put yourself in his shoes, sitting there in sin, literally, like, at the moment that we called. Somebody who knew God, who loved God, sitting there with this shame and this guilt 
and the inability to go and be honest and be real and, and deal with this stuff that he's dealing with. He was waiting for anything. He just wanted to be free. Now, I never will do a joke like that again in my life. But there's some people here, you're, you're feeling that same way. There's stuff that you're holding on to, and you, you may look great on the outside, and you show up to church, and it feels all good, but I've been there myself. You don't have anybody you could just talk to and be honest with and, and share your heart. And he said, no, you don't understand. I needed to get that off my chest. And, and God used it in his life because God can use the stupid things that Chris does. And God can use the stupid things that you do. And so I share that. Please don't do that joke. You'll feel terrible. It's a very wrong thing to do. And I learned. I'm not a dumb youth pastor anymore. But I just imagine him. And I know where I've been. And I want to talk about a God who loves us even when we're at our worst. There's a, there's a scripture in the book of... Um, John. It's John chapter 13, verse 1. It's on your insert. And it says, now before the feast of Passover, this was on the night Christ was betrayed, when Jesus knew that his hour had come and he was to depart this world. This is one of the most beautiful scriptures I've ever read. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And during supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from the supper, laid aside his outer garments, taking a towel, he tied it to his waist. And he began to wash his disciples' feet. Now, I just want to put that before you, like, washing people's feet is gross. I don't like feet. My kids ask me to touch their, cut their toenails. I'm like, ugh, that's nasty. I just don't like to touch them. But Jesus washed somebody's feet. And they weren't coming out of sneakers. They weren't coming out of um, Air Force Ones or loafers or even high heels. They were coming out of sandals that got all the garbage that you got when you walked around a town that had animals everywhere, all the matter that you don't want to touch, and Jesus. Now, we know he washed their feet, and that's like a pretty humbling thing. That's like the act of a servant. He came to serve, and, and he came, in and, he, and he bows down, and he washes their feet. But when you read this, and you realize, like, he knew Judas was going to betray him. Like, how could he do that? I would have skipped Judas. Matthew. The other Judas, the good Judas, James, John, but Judas, I don't mean to point on you, I'm sorry, I'll go to him, but Judas, I know Juan, but Judas, him, he sat there and he washed his feet with the same love as, as the other people? He didn't spit on them? He didn't, like, look them hard down and, yeah, I know what you're going to do, but with the same love and the same compassion. Because nothing is hidden from him. Nothing is hidden. And that is one of the craziest things, that all of your darkest moments are clear to him. And he loves you the same. He could wash Judas' feet with the same care and compassion as he could as the other disciples. Like, that's the God we serve. 
God's love is beautiful. That's the first point I want you to put on there is God's love is beautiful. It's beautiful. Like, it's amazing the love that he has. And, and, and so some of us are like my friend that, that, that got to repent over that prank is you don't realize his love is great, man. His love is good. He doesn't want you sitting there. He doesn't want you carrying that burden like his love. That's what the cross teaches us. That's what the resurrection teaches us. Is even at his worst, God was able to go there, even at our worst. God was able to go there and love us anyway. Even when he knew Judas was going to betray him. He didn't set him up. He didn't put him down. He didn't skip him. He loved him just as much as he loved his other other disciples. The next scripture I want to give you is, is out of Luke Chapter 23, and if you turn there, verse 32, this is when Jesus was on the cross. It says, two criminals, two others who were criminals, were led away and put to death with him. Jesus died between criminals. Think about that. Like, that's where he died. That's where he breathed his last. The perfect, sinless son of God died between criminals. We've heard this. And when they came to the place that is called the skull, There they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on his left. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. God's son who was sent to save us, humanity, we crucified him. We didn't just kill him, we crucified him. We did the worst to him. We named him among thieves and put him on a cross together, us as humans. And even at that point, God offered forgiveness. The Son of God said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Do you know that's the God you serve? Like, that's what I'm standing here. The God we serve is the God that loves you. So that shame that you came in here with, why leave here with it? That guilt that you're holding you down, because I know in this room, there's guilt, there's shame, there's hidden areas. There's some areas we don't like to, to show. Why do you think I don't tuck in this shirt? All right, my wife had a baby. I put on some sympathy weight. She has the baby. The weight is gone. Not me. It's still here. I wish it was that easy. But there's things we don't want to show. Toes. My toes are gross. I wear shoes. I don't like to wear sandals. They look crazy, my feet. Look like hobbit feet. They're ugly, hairy, nasty, but they're mine, and I'm stuck with them. And I'm not shaving my toes. That's just not me. I barely want to shave my face. I'm not shaving anything extra. I don't got that kind of time. But you've got hidden areas. I've got hidden areas. Things that if God only knew, like, would he love me? But he does. His love is great. And here on the cross between two criminals, look at how bad humanity gets. The people stood by watching him, and the rulers scoffed. They made fun of him. They said he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the Christ, the Son of God, the chosen one. Mocking him. Not just killing him, but mocking him. If I was Jesus, and I'm on the cross... And I have the fullness of God's power at my disposal. And I can call a legion of angels. It's on. I'm killing everyone. I'm bringing sharks out of the sky. Down on the Roman soldiers and hurricanes and tornadoes. And and I'm not putting up with that. You're going to mock me? 
You know, he's God. He could have done whatever he wanted. He could have got real creative. Look at the platypus. He could do all kinds of stuff. But he sat there and he forgave them, even while they mocked. And it says the soldiers came up and they mocked him, offering sour wine. And they said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. And they put a sign up on top of him. But in all of that, all of the problems, all of the wrong, we've all done something similar to God where we've mocked him, we've hidden from him, we put him on the cross. He allowed himself to go to the cross for our sins. It wasn't just them, it was all of us through all time. Father, forgive them. His power is greater than our problems. That's the next point that you got to know this Easter that you got to leave here with, is his power is greater than our problems. I had a phone call from a friend on Friday. Now, Jose is my friend, and he might be listening to this. And, and Jose and I got saved at the same time. I got saved at 17. A few weeks later, Jose gets saved. I got saved. I had a family. I had a place to live. They had given me a car. I was a mess, but God saved me. But I had some things in life. When Jose got saved, Jose lived in a trailer where he would have to go out there at night and, and break the little thing from the city to get the water going. He knew how at 16 years old, because his mom was an alcoholic, and his mom couldn't provide with him, he knew how to go out there and get the electricity turned onto his trailer right after the power company would shut him off. Jose was a thief. Jose was a liar. Jose got saved. Well, when I'm in church, I see Jose, and I'm like, man, God can do anything. And Jose called me up Friday. He said, Chris, I want you to know those times... They were the best times in my life. And I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, do you remember that time when we were getting evicted? This was like right after he's saved. I'm right after I'm saved. He goes, do you remember that time? And I was like, I don't know, my memory's shot. And I was like, yeah. But as he told me the story, it came back. He said, do you remember that day we were getting kicked out the next day and you dropped me off outside my trailer and you prayed with me? I'm like, yeah. He goes, remember, (laughs) this is how crazy I am. He said, you made me get down on my knees in the parking lot. Do you remember that? I was like, yeah. Because you know when you get saved and you really believe God? You really think the God of the universe is real and he hears you? And as a few weeks into the Lord and Jose's there saying, hey, I, I don't have a place to go. And I'm like, come over here, Jose, nail down. And we're kneeling down in the parking lot in the middle of everybody looking and we prayed, and we're like, God, like I have faith. I wasn't old and jaded like I am kind of now. I didn't think about all the logistics of him actually finding a house, and I didn't know a lot about paying bills and paying mortgage. But we got down on the parking lot, and he goes, remember we prayed? And that next day, we got a new house. I was like, yeah, man. Remember you always took me to church, and, and we were on fire, and we'd go out in the streets, and we'd... We'd, we'd preach the gospel, and, and I thought of myself, and I'm like, man, Chris, you try to do so much with up here and hard work. I work full time. I do the church. I got a wife. I got kids, and, and I try to use my brain and figure things out, but, but what about that time when I was young and there was a problem, and Jose's like, I don't have a house, and I was like, well, let's just pray. Could I get back there? Do I really think I serve God? Or not. So whatever your problem is here today, I could tell you the, the next story about Jose was really cool, and I wish God could do this all the time, but he had charges on him. 
And so he gets picked up because he stole stuff all the time. He was a thief. That's who he was, gang member. But we prayed and we're like, God, do something great for Jose. He gets picked up by the police and taken up to downtown Miami where they're going to book him. And while, while before they take him, we pray. And this is not, I could bring Jose here and he'll tell you the truth. From when they took him from South Miami up to where they book you in Homestead, something erased off the computer. Because they got him to take him in and put him in. And they're like, we, we can't find anything. God's a hacker. <laughs> Praise God. Do something for our mortgages. Amen. Go in there, hack our, I don't know what God, I don't know how God did that, but he let him off, and Jose got a house, and he got a job, and, and, but we had this conversation just out of the blue Friday night about the God who lives, his power is greater than your problems. His love's beautiful, he loves you just the way you are. The next scripture I want to go to is Luke chapter 23, it's, if you keep reading, it's verse 32, it says, or, I'm sorry, verse 39, it says, one of the criminals who was hanged railed at him and said, are you not the Christ? He's being mocked even by the criminals. It's one thing to be mocked by Pilate, another thing to be mocked by his soldiers, like little soldiers, that they're not Pilate, they're not the leaders, but now he's being mocked by two criminals next to him. At that point, you'd think he would have given in, but no, he still loved. He said, save yourself and save us. But the other criminal rebuked him and said, don't you fear God? We're under the same sentence of condemnation. And indeed, we justly, we're deserving, we're getting what we deserve, the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus looks at him and says, truly I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. How sweet, man, how beautiful. It's not fair. That guy probably done some wrong stuff. You've done some wrong stuff. You've gotten away with a lot of it. But God said, today you'll be with me in paradise. His future is greater than our past, guys. Even that man, even when he had moments to live, God turned it around and gave him a future that was greater than his past. I looked at Jose. Jose's gone, done pretty well. He was telling me that, you know, yeah, I started laying cable and doing this. And without, without a college degree, he's like, I was making like over six figures, man. God's been so good to me. And I, I look back at that time in my life as what changed me, what turned me around, what got me from breaking into the power box in my trailer and, and to help turn my life around. And, and I look at you today and I say, you know what? God's future is bigger than your past. I don't know where you've been. And it's not all about money. You know, a little bit of money helps. But he can erase your sin. His love is beautiful. He can fix your problem like he really can. And there is a future for you. There is a future. God has good stuff. I don't write the story. I would, if you would have told me when I became a Christian and I felt like I answered God's call and I wanted to serve him and I was taking Jose out on the streets that in 2018 I'd be living in Lexington, South Carolina, I would have said, where is Lexington, South Carolina? But God had a plan. When God called us here, and we're like, we need to go to Lexington. We need to go to the greater Columbia area. Do you know anybody? No. We met people the first day. 
preaching at a church in Augusta, my very first sermon. I preached. I said, we were going to move to Columbia and start a church, and we knew somebody in Augusta. Guy walks up afterwards. He says, hey, I live in, in that area. Where's your church going to be? I told him, where do you live? Where do you live? He lives a half a mile from my house. He's been one of our best friends. In fact, I hurt my back. God's power is greater than your problems, but this was a big problem because I hurt my back. And he was the chiropractor that fixed me up and got me moving. God knew I would need that kind of friend. He knew that when I got off the couch in the hospital to help my wife change a diaper, that I would throw out my back. That's because I'm old. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. If you're young, stay young if you can help it. But he called me up and he said, come on over. And he, he did some of his little voodoo stuff and moved some stuff around and shot here and there and a pill. And I was like, okay, I can move. God knows what he's doing. The first person I met that lived a mile from my house, I met in Augusta, Georgia, before we even moved here. So if there's three things you can walk out of here with, and if you never come back to Lakeside Church, these things are true. Lakeside Church really doesn't matter. What matters is you know that God's love is beautiful and he loves you the way you are. He loves you more than you deserve and you don't have to live in guilt and shame. You need to know that his power is greater than your problems. Like it really is. I don't know how to get back to that place and I try to where I was just dumb enough to kneel with a guy who didn't have a house and be like, God can give you a house. I didn't understand mortgages and rents and all this stuff but I understand the God who created the universe and his future is greater than your past. So I don't know what you've done, where you've been, but he could do some awesome things exceedingly abundantly above all you ask or think. That's how the Apostle Paul puts it. I'm going to invite you right now just to bow your head, just to close your eyes. This is just you and God time. I hope that you've remembered the resurrection of Jesus Christ when he walked out of that tomb, sin was defeated. Death didn't win. That means he loved you, loved us at our worst. From the people that killed him without a reason to the, soul, to the criminals mocking him on the cross, he never stopped loving people. And he paid a price he didn't owe for a debt that we did. And you can be forgiven. And maybe you came in here today and you're in your Easter best you're looking good on the outside, but maybe you're like my friend, or you're just waiting to get something off your chest. This is a no-shame zone, because we're under the blood of Jesus here. You do not have to leave here with guilt or shame. It was paid for. Let him take the check. Let him pay your debt. As I was preparing for the sermon, I, I know there's two guys in here. And men, it's hard to open up. I saw you almost looking up at heaven with the weight of the world on your shoulder. And God's here. Almost like you were looking up wondering, is he really God? Is all this stuff true? And he says that he is. And he wants you to know that. Without any embarrassment, with every eye closed, if you've walked in here with guilt or shame or fear, 
and you'd like to leave free because of Jesus, would you put your hand up right now? Amen.